This is MIT Technology Review. Hi there, it's Jennifer Strong. Before we get started this week, I've got a quick question. Every year, we pick a few topics to go extra deep on. So far, we've covered the applications of AI in hiring and in farming, and we've investigated the use of facial recognition by police. Our team spends months digging through archival tape and research and visiting the places and people at the forefront of this work, looking for applications already in use, and we explore what it all might mean in the future. So my question, what would you like us to dig into next? You can tell us on social at Tech Review or email us at podcasts at technologyreview.com. And we'll put links to all those deep dives I mentioned earlier in the show notes. This episode, we're taking you to Lisbon, Portugal, to Web Summit, one of the world's largest tech conferences, and a conversation I had on stage with two startup founders working to bring automation to smaller scale farms, which, for a variety of reasons, we'll get into in our chat have yet to see the benefits of the tech revolution that's been sweeping the agricultural industry for years. My guests are Praveen Penmetza, the founder and CEO of Monarch Tractor, and Barry Lund, the CEO of Provisio AI. And for context, Monarch builds electric tractors that are self-driving. Provisio deals with safety and perception and is better known for its work in autos and mining. Let's go. In Machines We Trust. I'm listening. A podcast about the automation of everything. You have reached your destination. Before we get started, I have a question. How many, raise your hands, know that some of the most advanced vehicles on Earth are on farms? Okay, great. You got your people. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start with some level setting, which is going to be hard because it's uh, not level across yeah. all the different forms of automation on a farm. But Praveen, maybe you want to go first. So it's a good comment. If you think about big agriculture, right, especially in the Midwest of the U.S., where crops such as corn, soy, etc., you do see a lot of technology out on the farm. You see these big tractors, you know, with GPS-positioned autonomy systems yeah. where the driver is more focused on not driving the tractor but the operations. But then amazingly, when you go to the fruits and vegetables farmers, most of whom are smaller, and now we are talking about tens of acres, hundreds of acres, maybe a few thousand acres, there's no technology at all. And the reason for that is they are under tremendous margins pressure to where they cannot invest into that tech. And also it's a harder technology problem, so there's a huge disparity there. And that's the gap that we need to fill. And with some of the latest and greatest tech coming along, there's now for the first time opportunities to put the best of technology into the hands of the smallest farmers growing our food for us. Do you want to add in there? Yeah, no, and I think think very similar, I think, in agriculture is what you have in the automotive space as well, at almost the levels of autonomy. We probably shouldn't even address them because it's when is it level five, when does it need to be level five, or when does it need to be, you know, level zero or have, and, and, uh, and I think, but I do think farms are a really good place to try out this type of technology as well because they have some tough conditions, mm-hmm. but they also have some really easy driving, right? right? Like, like straight lines, lots of, lots of that and repetitive things like that. 
but the, you know there's there's a safety issue on farms as well so I, right. I think for me it's like you can only have level five when you can absolutely guarantee that that machine will never cause a problem or, or cause an accident on a farm right so that's that's where i think you start to work with farmers you start to work with what are the problems that you can solve and that 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 goes beyond to me, it goes beyond autonomy, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's another question for everybody. Um, how many folks know that, is it the most dangerous work on the earth or pretty close? Yeah, it's the third most dangerous profession in the world is actually agriculture and farming. I'm not sure how many of us are conversant with that, right? Yeah. And it's not just because of things like equipment safety, but it's also because of exposure to chemicals. These are all things that are not conducive to put somebody out in the middle of the farm while you're spraying some of these dangerous chemicals. The driving seat on a tractor, especially on some of the smaller farms, is the most dangerous place to be on a farm because that's where most of these accidents happen. But again, after construction and mining, agriculture is the third most dangerous profession on the planet. So maybe the next thing that would be helpful, since you guys do such different things, could you each dig a little bit more into what it is you do precisely before we get back out into the big picture? Yeah. So on my side, at Monarch Tractor, what we saw was, you know, the lot of our fruits and vegetables farmers were really struggling with three main things, right? Number one is definitely the move towards sustainability was applying even more pressure on them. It's hard to go green if your business is in the red. And only 42% of farmers in the U.S. make money. A lot of fruits and vegetables farmers around the world are actually in a poverty condition, right? They're basically just surviving. So for that kind of an ecosystem, for us to transition that into a sustainable farming where they need to invest more, do more, is hard. The second thing that they were struggling with is there's just been an outflow of talent and labor from farming. The average age of farmers around the world is very high. In certain countries, it's now in the high 60s. In Japan, it's around 68 years. In the US also, it's in the high 50s. So the younger uh, generation is not coming into farming because they see it as a lack of uh, opportunity, yeah. creativity, and profitability. So and the third thing that we're seeing is the lack of data. Uh, here's my question is, we all know the name of the DoorDash person that bought you your delivery, but we don't know how our food was grown, when was it harvested, or what happened to it? how many chemicals went into it, right? So we have to bridge this gap between the farmer and the, and the customer, have to make that relevant. So at Monarch Tractor, we built an all-electric tractor so that we can reduce the cost of diesel for the farmers, mm -hmm. autonomous so that they can reduce on labor costs, and smart so that they can use that data to tell their story to the consumer and hopefully make more money and use that to increase their revenues and profits. So that's what we do at Monarch Tractor. That's why it's an all-electric, autonomous, smart yeah. tractor. What we do isn't nearly as cool as that. Right? <laughs> uh, so we, we, we do the perception bit, right? So, so how I ended up in, in this space was autonomy was failing, right? And it was failing because of the edge cases. And the edge yeah. cases are the same reasons we all crash and have problems in vehicles, right? Yeah. Weather, uh, you know, not, not being able to see beyond line of sight and that side of things. So that, that's what we build. We build what we consider, obviously, the best perception system in the world that's capable of seeing all these things that you, you couldn't previously see. But the most important bit is we build it at a price point that it can go on any vehicle, right? That was our goal because 
$250,000 worth of sensors on a, on a vehicle isn't, you know, isn't going to be rolled out ubiquitously, so it isn't going to solve safety on farms, right, if it, if it costs that. So we, we've built that at a price point that can go on every vehicle. So that, that's kind of how we've now ended up moving into agriculture. There's a big pull there. Like uh, our main market is automotive. I, I was here with a car last year, so uh, we, we haven't left that space. But there's a real pull in, in this sector because... Safety is a big thing for them. Automation is, you know, people want that as well. But the, the stuff you talked about, the data, that's the stuff I find amazing. Like, so it, like for example, like our perception stacks can, can actually do yield analysis and, and tell what, what they're going to get. So there's all this really cool side data that you're getting while you're out there trying to solve the, the safety problem and, and just a- automate the farm, right? Yeah. I want to talk about what's hard. And there's a lot of reasons for this to be hard in agriculture, starting with you know, computers and tech don't love sun, water, heat, mud. And then you think, what percentage of farm labor, I think, I don't have recent data, it's probably four years old, but it, it was like 40-something percent of labor on a farm didn't use a smartphone at the same time that farms are bringing in CTOs to try to manage across dozens of apps in many cases that, you know, there's no dashboard for yet because we're still early. I'm speaking in very general terms, there are some, but you know what I mean, it's more or less you're working off an iPad. But what is hard for you, for each of you? What is your biggest challenge right now? I think on our side, it's definitely you know, being able to build hardware that is robust enough, uh, what we call ag-robust at Monarch, mm-hmm. that can survive the elements of the farm. And you brought up a great point is it's, it's much harsher than even what you see on the car side in certain cases. Uh, the reason for that is cars have suspensions, reasonably good roads, right? And then you're out on a farm and there's no suspension on a tractor, so the perception stack has to be really good on the hardware side and on the software side. And the second thing there is you have to work in all conditions. Very often, there's things like you, you, the tractor itself is spraying things, right? So there's a cloud of spray, and you have to work 24-7 just because of the time constraints of farming. Right. Uh, but that is also the important part. And the reason I'm excited to be here and why everybody else should be excited too is there's now solutions like companies like ours are getting us onto the farm. We are solving the hard problems of perception, autonomy, and collecting that data on the farm with our hardware, which now is becoming accessible to the larger group of people to start using, to start creating applications on top. We will chuck that data up into the cloud and now you can start to build applications and we'll see a whole host of companies coming up. But yeah. the hardest part is on the ground. And that's not something a satellite or a drone can answer. You have to be on the ground on a tractor. Yeah, and I think for, for us especially, we, we set up the, the company to solve the hard bit, right? So we love the misery. We, we love getting stuck into that. So the, for, for, for me and the team on a day-to-day basis, that's kind of the, the hard stuff isn't the hard stuff. The hardest thing, for, like, we'll talk tech all day, we'll build tech all day, we love it, like, we're, we're really into it. The hard bit is actually achieving the, the price points that need to be get, gotten to in this sector, dealing with big companies. These, the companies are just monstrous, right? They, I mean, it's so refreshing uh, to talk to Praveen about Monarch, you know, a startup with that attitude, yeah. but, like, the big boys, even themselves, 
they, they find it hard to un, un, unpack their own organization. In fact, I, I had a meeting with someone yesterday evening and I was explaining to them how their own company worked because they were, they were trying to work out how they could get to another part of that. So that, to me, that's the hard bit, right? Getting, getting, because it's so obvious for us, everyone should have this technology, right? Yeah. So that's the frustration of a founder. You're like, going, everyone needs it, we're doing it, and we've it at a price point you need, but you've all this, red tape to get through and, and obviously safety critical devices they have to you know you have to go through that process too but well I think it's important to also point out when we talk about agriculture like it's one thing it's very different when you're talking about commodity crops versus you know, specialty specialty crops means like fruits and vegetables right? right and there's a lot of technology available for these very large commodity crops and in part you think about it it is easier to teach a machine to know the difference between soy plant, not a soy plant, right? But how do you deal with fruits and vegetables which don't grow in a uniform way around the plant or tree and all these things are different heights? Yeah. We used to make the joke that we're getting closer to figuring out making fuel from ice on the moon than we are how to pick an apple, you know, with a robot. So I'm wondering for you, like what do you see in this space as next? Yeah. And that's definitely the framing of the problem, Jennifer, that companies like ours are trying to solve and we need more people to join that movement. And what we are seeing there is huge opportunity. The reason for that is our fruits and vegetables markets have like five to eight times the number of people are needed for operations compared to your commodity crops. Also from a data quality standpoint and digital application standpoint, the great thing is consumers care about where your apples, your blueberries, and your strawberries come from. We don't care that much about where our you know, corn fuel comes from that goes into fueling your car right. or feeding our dairy. There's a huge digital opportunity here on the data side just because of the inefficiencies in our food production, especially on fruits and vegetables. But that's also a challenging bit because farmers these days are, are pretty compressed on the margin side. Barry made yeah. a great point. You have to bring the cost of those products down. So what we see is it's a dynamic environment. There's no mapping. There's no digital tools. They're very much still in a paper world, which means the opportunity for us to apply technology and show a value on it is tremendous. And that's why we are intentionally focused on the fruits and vegetables market and the small farmers around the world. And we are also building a platform to enable other companies to write applications on top of our data that we're collecting so that we all can kind of advance food sustainability and make the farmers more profitable. Well, and all the things you lay out make safety yeah. right, even more important because you're dealing with more people and more variability. Absolutely, and, and different challenges. Like I, I, I don't have that privilege yeah. of being able to say we're, we're going to focus on the, the fruit and veg because it's determined by the, yeah. the OEMs we sell to. It's great being an OEM. Yeah. I, I should have thought of that. I should have gone your way. <laughs> but um, so, so, for example, you, know, you can go out and build a, a, a perception system and say this is great, and then we're out harvesting last week, and the crop yeah. is five meters high. So if, if you just go out there with a camera and you go into that five meter high crop, you, you've got nothing, right? You're, yeah. you're selling nothing there. So that creates a whole other set of challenges as well. And that's where kind of radar comes in because radar is actually able to penetrate that. And right. then you're trying to, you know, there's, there's all these weird things that are out there. And I think they're, on, they're completely on tap. So it's right. really nice. It's, like a, it's yeah. like a gold mine. And especially if you're into AI, ML, anywhere there's 
untapped data is, is exciting. So You can tell I care about that. I grew up in a farming community. I get excited about this issue. We're going to be wrapping up out of time fairly soon. So before we get too much further, I'd love to ask each of you to talk about what you see as like the next five years for what you're doing. So on our side, I think this is going to be the next big industry to get transformed. Right, we have seen our automotive industry and the mobility industry get transformed, and yeah. both Barry and I have played roles in helping that transformation. We have seen our energy sector get transformed. We all now are seeing cleaner sources of energy. And the next big thing, and the reason all of us are now hearing the words food security for the first time, right, and are starting to care about it, is going to lead to the transformation of the food and ag industry, which means there's going to be tremendous opportunity for technology and technology companies to come in. And also for new people to come in and new companies will be built here. So we see the next five years being the transformation of our food and food ecosystem, which is why I come from the mobility world. I, I, I played roles in the energy world before, but I'm more excited by the food world than anything else because you made a great point, Jennifer, right? That all of us eat, but somehow we have lost our connection to how our food is grown. And I think we need to refine that connection and all of us need to play a role in that. Yeah, I think every day you're inspired to go, right, we have got to get this technology into more applications, right? And so we're working in mining, we're working obviously in automotive and all that side as well. And each time you're seeing safety is, is critical here. We need, we need to get this technology. So it, it, it's more of a mission than a business decision that you, we just have to get this rolled out. We have got to make this level of perception ubiquitous. And we, we have to solve the farming problem, right? Because it, it is, we do have uh, food crisis issues and we, we have all that. And, and so I think that, that to me is what excites me over the next number of years is getting to it, a ubiquitous uh, nature on, on this technology. With that, we're out of time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Jennifer. Hi, this is Brian Bryson, Director of Event Content and Experiences here at MIT Technology Review. I'm popping into this podcast to invite you to our upcoming AI conference, MTech Digital. MTech Digital is MIT Technology Review's executive briefing on artificial intelligence, its implementation, and impact on business and society. If you're tasked with integrating AI into customer offerings or using AI to streamline operations, this is your once-a-year opportunity to meet and network with the peers and leaders on the cutting edge of AI. Learn more about this exclusive event at mtechdigital.com. This episode was recorded and produced by me with help from Emma Silicons and Anthony Green. We're edited by Matt Honan and mixed by Garrett Lang with original music from Garrett Lang and Jacob Gorski. Thanks for listening. I'm Jennifer Strong. This is MIT Technology Review.